honored that you, I mean, you could have still been in bed this morning, right? You could have been a lot of other places, but we're honored that you took time to spend it with us. And uh, we pray that, that God is speaking to you, that God is moving in your life. And, and again, if, you've, uh, uh, if this is your first time, we'd love to connect with you. Uh, grab one of those connect cards, turn it in at the welcome desk before you leave. We've got a special gift we want to send home with you. I'd love to get uh, connected with you today. All right. Uh, we, again, it's exciting right now. We've been going through our vision uh, for this year, and the theme this year that we've, we've chosen is it's time. It's time. I believe that God is telling us it's time, just as he did many years ago when the Israelites were wandering around. They had been stuck in the wilderness for 40 years, and then finally one day, uh, God spoke to Joshua, and he said, get ready. It's time right? Prepare. You're going to cross the Jordan. You're going to go in. It's time to take the promised land. It's time to take that ground that I have promised you. And I believe he's telling us the same thing in this season is, you know, we, we're ready. Let's get ready. Let's go. It's time to take ground. It's time to go into the promised land. It's time to reach our city. Satan's had a hold on our city and our communities for far too long. And it's time we go in and take some ground. And we believe that people are going to come to Jesus. We believe that. We believe for a move of the Holy Spirit. Just as 90 years ago when our church was founded, there was eight families that came together and they believed for a great move of the Spirit of God in Aberdeen, South Dakota. And we believe that it's time, that God is going to continue his work, that he is not finished yet, but he's just getting started, and it's time to go. So uh, we've been looking at this vision, six different points, uh, six different markers that we are chasing after. The first one, uh, we want to make sure that the presence of God is paramount right? Uh, victory came. Victory came for the Israelites because they carried the presence of God with them everywhere they go. They had an ark that they carried it in, the ark of the covenant, this box that they carried the presence of God around with. Uh, but today, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We carry the presence of God with us everywhere we go. And so we believe we're going to be a church that is full of God's presence. I believe we experienced that this morning. We want many other people to experience that. Uh, so not only will they experience it here, but they'll experience it in our community as we go, as we represent the presence of Christ to people in our community. So we're believing God for great things. You saw maybe those maps on the way in when you uh, came in. And, and uh, so we're just challenging. We're giving you, hey, could you take one time each week to just walk around a neighborhood, drive around a neighborhood, drive around your town, and just be praying? Be praying. So if you haven't done that yet, I encourage you, go circle a couple blocks, uh, go circle your town, and uh, just try to, here's a goal, try once a week to pray. If you miss a week, that's okay. Get back up and uh, walk around again, be praying. It's been fun seeing people, you know, saying, uh, somebody told me this week, I was walking around in my community, somebody texted me like, are you praying? You know, well, actually, I was just going for a walk today. But yeah, now I'm going to go start praying. And, uh, but let's encourage one another. This is, this is great. I believe God's going to do great things as we pray over our cities. We bring the presence of God into our city. Second thing is that we want to be a church that's multicultural and multigenerational because that is the church. One day in heaven, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every language, every age, every generation will be praising God together. So why not start now? right? Why not start, start now? We, we've, got, we've got cultures. We've got every generation in our city. We should be a church that reflects that. Everyone is welcome. The third thing is, we talked about it last week, we want to be a church that's not simply known by our location, that we are across from Wiley Lake, but we are a church that is known by our mission, that we're a church that loves God, that loves people, and who shares Christ. So we're believing for that. Today, we're going to be looking at number four. Uh, again, we're, we're, our goal is let's reach the 4%. Right now, we're reaching about 1% of our city. What if we could reach 4%? All right, we serve a God who multiplies. And so we're going to talk today about how we can do that with each one, reach one. Next week, we're going to be looking at each one, teach one, because we're called to make disciples, not simply converts. And then number six is uh, we're great at praying. We're great at giving for our missionaries, but I believe God's calling us to go. He's calling us to go. Let's be a church that sends missionaries. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to have six mission trips. This is our goal, six mission trips in six different regions with our missionaries that we currently support and do it in three years. 
kind of a lofty goal, but I believe that with God's help, we can do it. And so we've got our first trip scheduled, as you heard earlier. And uh, right after service, if you got 10 minutes, it's going to be a real short. Uh, if you're interested at all in going on the, the Rosebud Reservation trip right here in our backyard with, with our missionaries, Johnny and Heidi Wade, uh, Pastor Sam's going to be leading that over in uh, the reception room. You'll get to hear things like cost, uh, how long it is, what you're going to be doing, where you're going to be staying, all those questions. You've got questions. Uh, even if you're just on the fence, go to the meeting, check it out. It's going to be great. Uh, so, so exciting. These are the six things. It's time. And as God does something, I encourage you, come catch a pastor, write a note, uh, share some victories of what God has done as you go for a prayer walk or as you see lives being changed in your communities or in your neighborhoods uh, or as you go on a mission trip. Share some stories. Love to do that. Well, as we, we jump into this vision, I'm excited that we don't have to do it alone, right? We're all in this together. We're all in this together, and, and I'm thankful that our church has been blessed with some great leadership. And so today, I'd like to, uh, if we could have the deacon board, everybody who's here, I know not everybody's quite here, why don't you come on down? We want to take time to, to pray for some of our leaders. We've got an incredible uh, deacon board. Yeah, so don't be shy. Come on down, yeah. You don't have to come out of hiding. Uh, but our, our deacon board this year uh, is Stan Ryman, Bob Prosper, Jeff Katrin, Don Schatz, Raymond Rodriguez, Jerry Doherty, and Brian Anderson. We've got an incredible group of guys. And we just had our first meeting of this, this new crew uh, this year. He's hiding in the back over there. If you didn't know, there's a sound room right behind these walls. So if you ever hear like music pumping, they've taken their headphones off and accidentally it's come unplugged. Uh, but... Uh, we're believing that God is going to do uh, great things, and I'm thankful that we have an incredible leadership team uh, leading the way and taking charge of this vision. So we want to take time to pray for our leaders. So would you, actually, would you just stand to your feet, and if, if you're close, why don't you just gather around um, our, our leaders. Let's lay hands on these guys. If not, let's at least ex extend hand, and we're just praying that God would use our leaders in great and incredible ways. Would you believe with me this morning? Oh, Lord Jesus. I thank you for these, these men of God, uh, the, the board who, who said, I'm willing to serve, I'm willing uh, to, to take on leadership, and, and so Lord, today, as you've tasked us with this vision, God, I, I pray that you would give them the strength and, and the energy, God, that you would give them the passion to run, to chase after this, so Lord, I, I pray that you would give them wisdom today. Oh, Lord, bless them with your wisdom. God, things that maybe they've never learned before, but, but God, you've put it on their heart. God, that you would help them to make godly decisions. God, that you would help as they, as they guide and, and steer and, and uh, serve this church. God, we pray for your blessing. We pray for your anointing. Lord, I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you would use them to do incredible things. So, Lord, I just thank you so much, God, for the leaders that you have called, God, that, that are guiding us and directing I just pray today, God, for your special anointing on them as, as I know that, that Satan likes to attack the leaders in the church. God, I, I pray for your protection. God, I pray that you would protect their families, that you would put a special blessing on their families today. Oh, Lord, these are your people. We give them to you and guide them and direct them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for praying. Continue to pray for the leaders in our church. I am so thankful for this team. Uh, God has blessed us with uh, just an incredible team. So give these, if you see them, give them a handshake, give them a hug. Uh, let them know that you love them today. Like I said, I'm thankful that we're not in this alone, but God has given us some incredible leaders to help us, help guide us, keep us on the right track as we pursue uh, the vision that God has for us. Well, today, again, we're talking about each one, reach one. Point number four, right? Reaching the 4%. And this idea, when you hear it, maybe two things come to mind. The first time when you hear it, the 4%, it's like, yes, you know, this is exciting. Uh, this is great. What could we do if we reach 4%? What could that look like? God, oh, God, you're going to do amazing things. We can have quadruple impact on our city, right? Let's fill up heaven. I mean, do the math. Think about that. 4%. That means uh, my numbers say 1,120 people. Think about that. Church would look a little bit different if we were reaching 1,120 people, right? We'd have to do things a little bit differently. We'd, we, but God can do it, 
let's fill heaven. Why not? Right? It's exciting. It's exciting. But, but then maybe another feeling starts to creep in after a little bit, like 4%, that's great. Wait, how are we going to do that? You know, how are we going to, how, how, we're going to have to share our faith, right? We're going to have to tell people about Jesus. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. Have you ever been there? It's been uncomfortable to share your faith, but, but maybe you ventured out before and you, you, you shared your faith and, or you've tried to share your faith and you've had some mixed experiences with it. You know, maybe you got to that point and the Holy Spirit's leading you and you know, okay, I need to share my faith, but then you just, you, you got scared. You thought, ah, maybe it's not the right time and you decided not to. Or, or you got to that point to share your faith and, and all of a sudden you, you talk, but the words just came out jumbled and they just kind of looked at you like, what's wrong with this guy? You know, what's, what's going on? Or, or maybe you shared your faith and the words came out right, but then you experienced rejection. Or you experienced no response, nothing happened. They just went on their way and you feel like, oh, God, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Or, or maybe they asked you questions and you didn't have answers for them. And so I don't, I don't know what your experience has been with, with sharing your, your faith or the, the fancy word that we use around here, evangelism, right? Sharing, sharing your faith. So I don't know what your experience has been with evangelism, but I, I told you in this series, we're going to give you some practical tools. Uh, so I'm excited. Today, I brought along with me a very special tool, all right? And uh, it's, it's secret. I, I don't want to show it to you quite yet. But this thing, let me tell you what, when we unveil it, it it, it's going to help. This is, this is something that uh, maybe you've been praying with uh, a neighbor, or you've been praying for a neighbor, you've been praying, praying for a family member, you've been praying for a coworker for a long time, and, and just nothing seems to work. I believe that this tool is really going to help reach those people. It's going to help you reach some of those people. You've been praying for a spouse. I believe this is going to help you reach them, right? Uh, there's 3.4 billion in the people. Uh, billion people in the world who've never heard the gospel before. I believe that this tool today is going to help us. Uh, we, could, we could reach all 3.4 billion people with this tool, right? I mean, some pretty exciting things could be happening. I think that this is one of the single greatest tools to reach the lost in our world. Do you guys want to know what it is? Do you guys want to see? Are you ready? Should we unveil it today? Not yet. Not yet. You're going to have to hang on just a little bit. All right, grab your Bibles instead, because let me tell you what, this is one of the greatest tools to, to reach the world around you, right? Because it says that the God's Word is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even two dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. God's Word is living and active. So open your Bibles up to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. Man, God's Word, it has the power right? It has the power to, to open up to people, right? It's, it's alive. It's active. It has the power to cut to the heart. So we need to use God's Word today. I think it's going to teach us something incredible. John chapter 4. You know, this is probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, if I really stop to think about it. Uh, it's a time when, when Jesus decided to take an alternative route, a route that you wouldn't normally take, and uh, it wound him up in a conversation with somebody who was probably the least likely person that Jesus should have been having a conversation with. Everybody was pretty shocked when they saw him having a conversation with this person because it was someone who was completely different than him. It was, it was a woman, for one. Uh, it was, she was a Samaritan, uh, somebody that the Jews at that time, and Jesus was a Jew, uh, that they were kind of enemies or rivals. They, they didn't see eye to eye. They didn't like each other. Not only that, but she was an outcast in her society. Nobody wanted to be around her. Uh, she was a sinner. She had a different belief system than Jesus. But yet, despite all of these things, Jesus finds himself in a conversation with her. And he takes time to listen to her, listen to her story. He takes time to share hope with her. And what's really incredible, again, the most unlikely person, but this is one of the first people that Jesus reveals to her that, that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. I mean, of all the people, right? He picks the seemingly most, un, most unimportant person he can find. And he shares the greatest news ever with her. And it completely changed her life. And when he's done with this conversation, his disciples come up to him and 
you know, they're looking at him like, what are you doing talking to her? You know, that's, that's what they're thinking. That's what's going on. They just, they, they didn't get it, but she goes away. And, and then all of a sudden Jesus starts to teach them something. And, and that's what we, we see in this passage. We're going to start with verse 35, but I believe that as we read this in John chapter 4, uh, that it's going to help us to reach the 4%. Yeah, so John chapter 4. Did I say Joshua? I might have said Joshua. We've been talking Joshua so much. Forgive me. John chapter 4, New Testament. Like, Jesus wasn't in the Old Testament. What's this guy talking about? Has he ever read his Bible? John chapter 4. Starting with verse 35, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He says this, Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Jesus, we thank you for your word today. God, your words are just as true today as they were 2,000 years ago when you shared this with your disciples. God, I I pray that you would change our hearts. God, help us to see things the way that you see them in this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. Now again, I love this passage. I love this passage. Jesus says, you've got a saying, guys, right? Disciples, you've got a saying, or maybe the Jewish culture, you've got a saying, four months more and then, then the harvest. But I say, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe. They're ready. They're ready for harvest. And and it's basically like Jesus is telling them, hey guys, it's time, right? He's saying, it's time. The harvest is ready. Go and get it, right? Cross the Jordan. Let's go. Go into your community. The harvest is right. When he's talking about the harvest, he's not talking about the physical harvest that maybe they saw around him. He's not talking about the corn or the wheat or whatever it might be, but he's talking about a spiritual harvest. He's talking about people's lives, you may say, "Eh, still four months. No, he's saying they're ready. They're ripe for picking. And so he's saying you need to go and tell people about the greatest news that they will ever hear. You need to go and tell them about a Savior who loves them, a Savior who died for them, a Savior who rose again after three days. And if you choose to follow him, it has the power to take you from hell to heaven, right? That's the good news that you need to share. That's how you harvest the crop. But he says the normal person, he looks and, and they look at people or they look at the harvest and say, it's not ready yet. Kind of reminds me of, of baking, right? Uh, baking. Any bakers in here? A few of you guys, all right. Uh, and uh, if you were here last Easter, you know that I am not a baker, right? You, you maybe still have remin- remnants of that on your clothing. Uh, but I'm not a baker. But I'm thankful my wife... She knows how to bake. I don't know. She's a baking genius. She's a savant. I don't know. I've tasted her stuff. It's good. But, but why I say she's such a genius, because I, I don't understand where she got her training. But for some reason, she'll have something in the oven, and she'll come up there, and she'll just open the door crack, look at it for two seconds, and say, yeah, that needs five more minutes. You know, that needs 17 more minutes. And I'm just thinking, how can you tell? Like, but she just does it with such confidence, and it, she's just always right. You know, she just knows that, that, that next time, I, I'm sitting there trying to bake cookies or something, and it says, all right, bake until golden brown, and I'm like, is that tan? Is that brown? I don't know if it's golden yet. You know, by the time I stare, like, okay, no, that's definitely brown now. I think I, I, think I went past the golden stage. And it's difficult. But, but sometimes we do that with, with people's lives, and we, we look at people and we think, I don't know. Is that golden brown yet? Are they, you know, are they ready? Is it, are they ripe? Is, it, is the harvest ready? Are the cookies done? I, I don't know. Maybe we'll just wait. You know, let's, let, let's just four, another four minutes. You know, we, we don't know. Is that person ready? And we like to judge people based on their exterior. Oh, that person, they're just too grouchy. Ugh. They're not ready to experience Jesus yet, right? They, they, they're going to reject me. Or that person, they've got it all together. I mean, they don't have a care in the world. Why would they want to hear the gospel? Let's just wait. Let's just wait. Or that person, I mean, we come up, they're too smart. They're too nice. They're too, you know, fill in the blank. We, we come up with it all. Uh, you know, it's maybe not the right time. I don't know if I'll have the time to explain, you know, the whole, you know, start from creation. You know, I don't know if I've got time. Uh, how am I going to, and, and we they're not ready yet. 
four, four months more, and then, then we'll harvest. But Jesus is saying, no, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Sometimes we, we look at our city and we think, there's no way. How are we going to reach 4%? How, how are we going to do this? And, and we say, they're not, they're not ready yet. No, it's time. Look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Jesus' words are just as true today as they were 2,000 years again. The harvest is ripe. And he says, others have done the hard work. Others have planted. Others have plowed. Others have, have watered. And he's saying, I'm calling you to do the easy thing. I'm calling you to harvest. I'm calling you to go out and share the good news. Because you never know when you might be like the last piece in the puzzle in someone's life. I think I've heard a stat that it takes about seven times on average for someone to hear the gospel before they accept it. You never know. You may be number seven. Or you may be the first person and that's the one they need. We don't know. But you just never know. But what we do know is that God says the harvest is ripe. So let's trust him. Let's take him at his word. Let's look at every person as though the harvest is ripe. And you know, another tool that we have is we have the Holy Spirit. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to help you, uh, guide you to know which person you need to talk to, right? Because there's no meter, right? You can't stick like a heat thermometer and somebody be like, all right, yeah, nope, you're not ready yet. You know, but we've got the Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us, to show us, God, who do I need to share the gospel with? I mean, you look at the Samaritan woman in, in John chapter 4, right? And uh, the disciples are thinking, Jesus, what are, you, what are you talking to this lady for? She's not ready, right? That's not the harvest. Four months more. And Jesus is saying, no, open your eyes. She was ready. She needed to hear the gospel today. And you guys, you all missed it. You're just judging things on the outside. But I look on the inside and I knew the harvest is ready. The time to share the gospel was now. You guys ready to see what this is yet? This, this it's an incredible evangelism tool. I mean, I, I think it's really going gonna, gonna to change your life, right? It's, it's going to help you uh, reach your neighbors. It's going to help you reach your family, your friends. Uh, believe it or not, Jesus used this tool, a form of it. Uh, he used this tool uh, to reach the Samaritan woman. All right, so are we ready? Drum roll, please. We got, here we go. Three, two, prepare to be amazed. One. Woo! You weren't expecting that, were you? I have before you today a chair. And you might be thinking, what's special about a chair? Well, this isn't any ordinary chair. This is an empty chair. There's nobody in it. So I want you to think today, imagine the possibilities, right? This is unlimited potential. Who needs to go in this chair? Who could be sitting in this chair? Imagine. Who could, be sit who could sit in this chair today and hear about Jesus? Who could sit in this chair and for the first time experience the presence of God? For the first time experience His freedom? For the first time hear about His love? And for the first time say, I surrender? God, I want to make you Lord of my life. I give you the empty chair today, right? This is an amazing tool. So let me, let me talk a little bit more about it here. How many of you today, look in your, go ahead, look in your pew, all right? Look to your left, look to your right. Raise your hand today if there is an empty seat still in your pew. Okay, I think that's everybody except maybe that little pew in the back. We've all got an empty seat next to us, right? We've got an empty seat. And sometimes we can look at those empty seats and we can be like, oh man, where is everybody? You know, what's going on? And we can have a negative attitude towards those empty seats. But here's what I want to, I want to change your thinking a little bit today, all right? When you look at that empty seat from now on, I want you to have hope. I want you to start dreaming. I want you to think about the potential that is in that chair next to you. Because that could be the seat that one day, right? This could be the empty chair sitting right next to you that your spouse that you've been praying for years and years, God, would you save them that they could fill? That that family member, that, that you just, oh, God needs to work on their life, right? And you just think, how, how are they going to come to Jesus? But one day, 
They could be filling that seat right next to you. Your, your neighbor that you've been praying for, they could fill that seat. I don't know, your boss, your coworker, the, the, the person that you meet in a park one day or the clerk in the grocery store, they could fill that seat next to you. So when you look and you see an empty seat, don't be like, where is it? No, that's, that's potential, right? That means we still have more capacity to reach the lost, the hurting, and broken in our community. Those empty seats. So let's change our, our vision because I believe that God wants to do great things and it's good news because he can still do great things because we've got capacity. We've got empty seats around us. We've got chairs that we can fill. But you know what? Oftentimes, oftentimes before somebody fills an empty chair next to you at church, it starts by filling an empty chair at your home filling an empty chair around your dinner table, uh, sitting on a stump in the back of the yard, you know, because you've been doing some yard project together, uh, sitting on a park bench next to a stranger, right? Uh, sitting at a, an, an empty chair in, a, in an office where you're taking a lunch break together. But how often do we just forget about the empty chair, or, or we just kind of sit in the corner and we don't engage in a conversation. See, the empty chair is kind of symbolic for the idea of we get to engage someone in a conversation that we normally wouldn't. Jesus used an empty chair. He used an empty chair in, uh, in verses 5 and 6 in John chapter 4. It says this, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So it said Jesus sat down. Jesus got tired, right? Humanity. Uh, and so he sat down by a well. And all of a sudden, we, we don't know what he sat on. Maybe it was a rock. Maybe it was a ledge. Probably wasn't a chair like this. Um, maybe it was just the ground. You know, he pulled up some dirt, and he sat down. And after a little while, this lady comes by. And we don't know the exact details, but at some point, Jesus invited her into a conversation. He invited her to take a seat in the empty chair. Hey, sit down next to me. Let, let's talk. Let's have a discussion. He could have just sat there and minded his own business. You know, I'm tired. I don't really want to talk to anybody. I, I don't want to talk to this. this. We have nothing in common. He could have done that. How many times do we do that? God brings someone in our path, and we just, oh, that sounds like work to have to have a conversation right now. I'm just going to go on my phone over here. But Jesus said, no, let's pull up a chair. Let's talk. We may have nothing in common on the outside, but, but let's, let's chat. You know, so, so this woman comes and sits down next to him, and, and it, as they have this conversation, as Jesus pours into, as Jesus shares hope, as Jesus shares the gospel with her, this woman's life was changed. Because she sat down in the empty chair. Her life was changed. How are we going to reach the 4%? How are we going to reach the 4% in our city? One person at a time. One person at a time. Filling one empty seat at a time. That's how we reach the 4%. That's why our vision point is each one, reach one. Because before we can reach the whole world, we have to start with one. Before we can reach the world, we have to reach the one. So who's your one today? Who's your one? Who, who do you need to invite into the empty chair? Who needs to hear about Jesus? What family member, what neighbor, what co-worker? What, who is your one today? I want you to take a minute. Think about that. Who's your one? Who do you want to see in this chair? Hear about the love of Jesus. Experience the warmth of his embrace, the, the goodness of his presence. Who's your one? See, I believe when we catch that vision of just, I don't have to reach the whole world, I just need to start by reaching one. When we catch that vision, when we're all in this together, there is multiplying power when each one reaches one. There's multiplying power. It's amazing what we can do together. It's amazing the impact we can have on our community when we band together. See, alone, you may feel powerless. You may feel like, how can I, how can I reach the 4% on my own? You don't have to. Just reach one. 
Just reach one. And when we do this, when we go after one goal, when we choose one target, we can change the world. We can have huge impact. I want to share a story with you today of something that made a big impact on my life. And it may sound goofy. I think I've got it here somewhere. But I want to share a story of how animal crackers made a big impact in my life. I've got a chocolate elephant here today, in case you're wondering. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. And uh, so you think, how could an animal cracker make an impact on your life? I'll tell you. One day I was grocery shopping and had a car full of groceries. The trunk was full. And I came home and in typical, I don't know, maybe it's guy fashion, dad fashion, uh, I started loading up all the bags on my arms as much as I could because I thought, why take two trips? You know, and so you, you, you get it all up there, you got the milk, you're like, yeah, I got this. And then you realize, like, how am I going to shut the trunk? You know, and so you're trying to, like, uh, you get it down, and like, okay, you know, and you're, you're walking into the house, like, I got this, like, oh, no, there's a door handle. All right. Uh, okay, if I just kind of shift down here, you know, turn the door, you kick it in, you're, you're walking in, you shut the door behind you with your, your foot, you kind of kick off the shoes, and like, finally, I made it over to the kitchen counter, and you set it all down, and hey, we're good, right? Yes, I succeeded. This is great. And I must have been in a hurry that day, because I'm just rapidly putting stuff back into the cabinets, into the counters. I'm doing all this stuff, and, and finally, I get to one bag, and it's got the big old bin of animal crackers in there, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's clear and it's shaped like a bear. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. And uh, it must have been the snack of choice for one of our kids at that, that season in our life. And so we had, we had the industrial size animal crackers. But also because kids like snacks and you don't want to give them to them constantly, the place for the animal crackers was on the top shelf, right? And so I'm, I'm hustling, and I go, and I stick the animal crackers all the way up on the top. But again, in, in my haste and in my hurry to get this job done, what I didn't realize is that I did not put the animal crackers all the way on the shelf, but only part way. And so as I turn to go and do other things, all of a sudden, the power of gravity took effect, and the animal crackers started falling down. And then it hit it hit the corner of the counter just right so that it, 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 flipped, it flipped the animal cracker jar over and, and the lid, the corner of the lid started to, was now on a collision course for my big toe. Animal crackers made a big impact in my life that day. My toe was black and blue for the next month. No joke. Like I'm sitting there hopping around like, oh, oh you know, I'm just trying to walk it off. I'm like, Oh, how did that happen? You know, and then finally I, I get done and, and I'm sitting there and I just, I had to laugh. I was like, animal crackers just gave me a black and blue toe. Animal crackers. Like these, how? Like, how am I going to share this story? This is embarrassing. Animal crackers. And, and you think about it. Animal crackers, like they can't give, I can take this and, and my toe would be fine. You could take a thousand animal crackers and dump it on it. It's not going to do anything. You could take a tub that was empty and dump it on your toe, and you're going to be just fine. But I tell you what, when you take all the animal crackers together, and they all band together, and you give them one direction, you give them one target, and you give them the right vehicle, you add in the power of gravity, right? And they're all going after the same goal. It can make a big impact. But really, I think that that's a picture of the church. It's a picture of the church, right? Alone, we, we may not be very powerful, right? We're just a bunch of animal crackers. We, we can't do anything too powerful on our own. But if we come together in the unity of the church, right? The vehicle of the church, so to speak, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we unite under one mission, under one vision, and we've got one target, I believe together we can reach the 4%. I believe we can do a lot more than that, honestly. But I believe we can start by reaching the 4%. But we've got to do it together. There's power when each one reaches one. 
If you go back to, you don't have to turn there, but if we go back to Joshua, like we've been talking of taking the promised land, uh, when they go in to try to take Ai after they have this great defeat of Jericho, they lose the battle. They don't hit the target. Why? Because one person messed up. One person sinned. There's power in one. It goes both ways. That's why we need everybody together. Everybody, we're all the animal crackers going united as one to hit the target, to make an impact in the world, right? And that's what we can do. So I believe that, that as we say, I'm going to reach my one, I'm going to fill this empty chair, that God can multiply it. You want to hear a crazy world record? Uh, let me make sure I get this right. The world record for the most people sitting in a single chair. Any guesses? 27. Anybody else brave enough? thousand the world record for the most people sitting in a single chair 2,387 think about it chair was this size chair was this size if you want to know how you can ask me later uh, but I, I did see that they got 2,387 scratched my head a little bit but it was, it was true they, they did it and the first guy wasn't even that tired of people sitting on him but there's multiplying power. There's multiplying power when we say, hey, I may not be able to reach the world, but I can reach one. I can reach out to one. See, the rest of the story in John chapter 4, again, it's a great story. If you haven't read John chapter 4, read this story. Uh, read the power of, of one. See, the, Jesus sits down next to this woman. He invites her into this empty chair, so to speak. He, he engages her in conversation. And her life has changed. She hears the gospel. Her life has changed. And so you know what she does? You know what the one does? She runs back to her town. And she says, hey, everybody, uh, come and see uh, a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? That's her testimony. She shares her story. She shares about the conversation she had with Jesus and why she thinks that Jesus is really the Christ, the Messiah. She says, come, come and see. Come and check it out for yourself. And it said that many of the Samaritans in that town believed just because of her testimony just because she shared her story. She didn't try to convince anybody. She didn't try to win. She just said, here's what happened to me, guys. Come and see for yourself. It said many believed. And, and then beyond that, many of the Samaritans, they maybe didn't believe him, but they came out and they went to Jesus, right? And it was like this woman said, come sit in the empty chair, right? I want to introduce you to Jesus. And when that happened, many more in the town believed. All because of one woman, an entire city was changed. Because Jesus took time rather than ignoring her. He said, come sit in an empty chair. Let me share the good news with you. The power of one. So the next time you see an empty chair in your home, right? The next time you see an empty chair at your job or in the park or in your pew, I want you to think. Think about the potential. Think about, the whole, think about who could be sitting in there and invite someone to come and see. Come in here. Engage in that conversation. Think of the impact that that one conversation could have. Now, I said this series, we're going to get really practical. So I've got six practical tips that I want to leave with you today. So if you're taking notes, if you got your phones, pull them out. I want to leave you with these uh, six practical tips that you can walk through, that you can use. Because again, sharing your faith is, it, it can kind of bring up fear. Maybe you've got bad thing, you know, evangelists like, oh yeah. Uh, but today I, I want to make it as simple as I can for you. I want to, uh, I want to help you. Uh, how do you have a discussion with the person in the empty chair? That's, that's what these are all centered around, okay? Uh, so the first one is this. First one's this. I think this is really key, really important, something we get wrong a lot. The pressure is not on you. You can't save anyone. You can't, right? The Bible doesn't say that, that you are the author of salvation. The, the Bible does not say, right, that you are writing somebody else's name in the book of life. It doesn't say that you have to convict people of sin. That's God's job. That's God's job. And sometimes we, we get that wrong and we get so frustrated. We get frustrated thinking, oh man, they didn't get saved. You know, I, I'm just a failure. You know, I, can't, I should just give up and never tell anybody about Jesus again. No, that's not failure. Failure is not telling. You see, because what your role, what your role is simply to share the gospel. That's your only responsibility. 
whether they accept Jesus or not, whether they get saved or not, that's not on you. Your success is simply in sharing and telling. That's your role. But it's God's job. So Holy Spirit is to convict of sin. The Holy Spirit says no one can call, call Jesus Lord except through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Jesus is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You are not the way, the truth, and the life. So let me take some of that pressure off of you today. You can't make a decision for someone else. You can't drag somebody with you into heaven. You'd like to sometimes, but you can't. They have to make the choice. The choice is theirs. They simply have to respond. Your goal is simply to tell. It's to share, to share the good news. It's not your responsibility to save them. That's God's job. Your responsibility is simply to tell. So the pressure is not on you. Second thing, second thing, you have permission to be yourself. Be yourself. When you're talking to somebody, I've been through a lot of different evangelism, things like that, and there's, there's a lot that say, here's the script, you know, read this, do this, and you're, you're going to see amazing results or whatever. And it, those things aren't bad. There's nothing wrong with that. But I always find the struggle of like, but that's not me. I feel like I'm acting. I feel like I'm being fake. I feel like I'm not. But, but I don't think God's telling us to be someone we're not. Amen. He's saying, be you. Be authentic. Be, be real. Because I believe that living an authentic life for Jesus is going to re- lead to authentic conversations. Right? As you choose to walk out your faith, as daily you say, I'm going to live for you, Jesus, people are going to take notice. People are going to say, what, what's different about you? What's going on? Can we talk about that? And it's in that moment where you can just have a real conversation. And you can invite them and you can, you can talk to them just about, hey, this is what Jesus did. In fact, uh, what do you share, right? What did the woman share that day? She just shared her story. She didn't try to make it sound really good and have all, she just said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Christ? She, she left him wanting some more. Hey, come check this out. Let me tell you my story. And so all we, we really need to do is to have our story ready, to be ready with our story. What's your story? I would say there's three parts to your story. What was life like before Jesus? What was your life like before Jesus? What were the things that you dealt with? What were the struggles that you faced? The second part is, what happened when you put your trust in Jesus? What was that moment? Was it at an altar? You know, was it just by your bed? Was it in a car? What, what was that moment where you finally decided, today's the day. The time is now. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And then the third thing you share with them is just, how is your life with Jesus? What's changed? How is your life different? And you just share your story. They can't argue with your story. It's your story right? It's your story. They can choose what to do with it, but you can say, hey, for me, this is, this is what changed my life. His name is Jesus. Come and see. Let me show him to you. So be yourself. Uh, third thing, ask questions. Ask questions. That's one way you can invite people into the empty chairs through asking questions. Here's, here's a few questions that you can use. Again, as you build relationship, as you get to know them, find a spot to ask these questions. Uh, one would be, uh, you know, I've never asked you about your just your spiritual background before. What did you believe growing up? And what did you and your parents believe growing up? And that might be a good on-road, an on-ramp into having a spiritual conversation with somebody. Maybe they ask you the same question back. Oh, what did you grow up believing? You know, you got to find, is this the right spot? But this is a tool that you can use. Another great one that's used often uh, is, if you were to die today, where do you think you'd go? Where do you think you'd go? Or maybe you take some time and you just think, you know, this is a question that's always, I've always thought about, you know, about, about life. What happens after that? What do you think? What do you think? And you invite them into the conversation. Uh, and you provide, uh, provide opportunities for them to share their story. Provide opportunities. And then what you really need to do, and you've got to work really hard on this, when you're trying to share the gospel with someone, listen you got to listen. Don't just sit there and try to talk over them, but ask questions and actually listen. Care. Hear, hear what's going on in their life. Hear their story. Because as you listen, as you actively engage in that conversation, uh, it's going to give you a lot better chance to be able to share your story later on because they see that you care for them. You know, when you hear key words in a conversation, 
These are things to be looking for. If they bring up church, if they bring up God, if they, if they bring up uh, faith, or if they bring up, I'm having a hard time forgiving this person, right? you hear some of those key words that sound almost church-like, right? Use that, right? You find ways. Ask them. Dig deeper when you hear those questions. Or, or maybe they, they just share, man, everything's so busy, I just feel hopeless right now. Right? What? Hopeless? Or I, I'm feeling really anxious right now. Or I've got a lot of fear in my life. I've got a lot of stress in, in my life. I, I'm feeling tired all the time. That's, that's your moment where you can ask those questions. Well, feeling hope? What gives you hope? Hey, what, where, do you, where does your strength come from? Where do you find peace? And you ask these questions. You want to hear what their answer is. But again, you're hoping they, they say, well, this is where you know, I do this. What, where do you find peace? Well, let me tell you right? And you've got an open door to have an authentic conversation. Let me share my story. Let me, let me share you where my, tell you where my strength comes from, where my peace from, comes from. Let me tell you how I overcome fear. So ask questions. Listen. Uh, the fourth one is this. Pray for opportunities to share. Pray for opportunities to share. I think this is a, a prayer that God answers like every time. If you just take the time and say, God, who do I need to share Jesus with today? God, would you bring somebody in my path that I can tell you about? God, would you bring somebody in my path that I can invite into the empty chair, that I can invite into conversation? I believe God will answer that prayer. But I also believe, too, that the more you pray it, right? If you pray it every day, then every day you're going to be looking for it. You're going to be looking, who can I invite? Who can I talk to? Who, who, who needs to hear about Jesus today? So pray for opportunities to share. Uh, the fifth one, and if worship team would come, uh, the fifth one is, is this. Uh, one thing you can do, invite them to sit with you at church. Not just invite them to come to church, but hey, why don't you come to church? You can sit by me. I've got an, you guys all just told me you've got an empty seat next to you, right? You've got space. Invite them to sit next, with you at church, next to you at church. Uh, the statistics on that are, are crazy. They're kind of unbelievable. Several people have done different things, and I've seen statistics that as high as 63% are 63% to 85% of unchurched people are likely to attend if you extend an invite. Think about that. It's like three quarters of every three out of four, if they were actually invited to church and you said, hey, come sit by me, they would attend. They'd be open to it. But here's another jarring statistic. Same survey, uh, they surveyed Christians how many of you in the last year have invited someone to church? And the answer was 2%. So here, people are willing if we ask. But as Christians, we got to ask. Only 2%, the survey said. Tell you what, here's a Sunday that's a great, any Sunday is a great Sunday to bring somebody. But, but let me tell you about an opportunity we've got coming up, Easter. Easter is one of the most likely Sundays that you can invite somebody and somebody would, would come. And it's going to be March 31st this year. And you can, you can tell them, hey, come with me. We're going to have an awesome breakfast. Our youth are putting on the breakfast for speed lights. It's going to be a great time. Invite them out. They don't have to pay a dime. It's just for donations, right? So you invite them, come out, come to breakfast with me. And then after that, we're going to sit down. It's going to be a great message. I, I promise it shouldn't be as messy as last year, all right? Um, but it's going to be a great message. It's going to be a great time. And then afterwards, you got kids, bring them. We're going to do a great Easter egg hunt. We're going to have, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're actually... We're praying the weather is looking nice, so we're going to do it outside this year. And uh, so invite them to Easter. It's going to be an awesome time. And so you, you do that. And I believe God's going to do that. You know, you say, hey, I've got a chair saved just for you. I've got a spot just for you. And in the coming weeks, we're going to give you some more resources and opportunities, different uh, invitations, social media uh, to put out there, just different ways that you can invite people. We've got some creative ideas for you this year that, that I, I'm excited. I can't unveil them today, but some more ways that we can invite people to Easter this year. So invite somebody to sit with you at church. And then the last one, number six, pray for the one. Pray for the one. Pick one person that God has laid on your heart and pray for them. Pray, God, someday, someday, God, I pray that they would fill this empty chair. Someday, God, I pray that they would experience your love and your compassion and your mercy and experience new life. 
And that's your prayer. And today, that's, that's actually how we're going to close. Um, so we've got this, this chair here. It's empty. I'm going to set it right here. And we've got, we've got tons of markers up here. And what I'm going to invite you to do in just a moment is, if you're in the balcony, wherever you're at, is to come down, and when God gives you one name, that one person that you want to see, right? Each one, reach one. That one person that you just, God's putting on your heart to reach this year. Then by faith, I'm going to ask you to step forward, grab a marker, and write that name on this chair. Of just saying, God, I, I believe you're going to fill this empty chair with people. You're going to fill this empty chair, right? And what can God do? And this is a chair, again, we'll, we'll have it out here for a little bit, but eventually it's going to make its way into the prayer room. And, and we're going to be praying over these names, All year long, we're going to pray over these names. And I believe that by the goodness of God, that name after name is going to come and and literally fill this chair. They're they're going to find a spot in the pew. And it's going to be great. It's like, oh, you know, hey, Kayla's on here. And Kayla's in church today. Isn't this great? And we believe that God is going to do incredible things. So today, I want to invite you to stand with me. Would you stand with me? And uh, the worship team is going to lead us here. But, but right now, why don't you just find a place where you can get alone with God in here? Whether it's you come to the altar, you find some space in the back, you know, get, get yourself a little wiggle room. And I want you just in this, this song that we, we sing, I want you to take a moment just to get alone with God. And I want you to ask him, God, who's my one? God, who's the one? Who's the one? And, and you're going you're gonna to know it. The Holy Spirit's going to put that name in there. Maybe even right now, you can't get that name out of your head. And you're just like, God, really, that one? Like, couldn't it be this one? And, and God's going to give you that one. And as he does that, maybe it's right away at the beginning, or maybe it's two minutes into the song. I don't know where it is, but I believe at some point during the song, God's going to give you that name. He's going to download it to your heart. He's going to drop it on your heart, and and you're not going to be able to get rid of that. And in that moment, whenever that is, I want you to come forward and just write that name. You can write it on the back, on the top, on the bottom, wherever it might be, and just write a name on the empty chair. Let's fill the empty chair today. And then uh, once you've done that, just again, go find that space again and just begin to pray. Pray for him by name. God, we pray for Kayla. God, we pray for Steve. And we, we pray that you would move in their life. God, give me opportunity. Give me window to share the gospel. God, would you help them fill this empty chair that they would know you, whether it's an empty chair in your house or it's sitting in the pew next to you. We believe God's going to do great things. So Jesus, we pray right now that you would just begin to download names on people's hearts. God, you've given this goal. Each one reach one. God, you called us to reach the 4%. And Lord, I believe the only way we can do that is if we band together. God, if we go together and we each say, yeah, one person, I can do that. I can do that. By by God's grace, I'm going to share my faith and I'm believing that God will do the saving power. So we put it in your hands today. God, speak today in Jesus' name. Amen. Find a space. Get alone in this place. When God puts that name on your heart, come and write it on the chair. Upon this rock you build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail when we bind and loose we proclaim your truth and in Jesus name we will
Build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. It's your church, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. We're your church, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. It's your church, build your church, build your church. Build it from the ground up, cause we're your church. Build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up, cause it's your church. Build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. Upon this rock, you build your I look forward to the day where one day we're in heaven together and, and all of a sudden you see somebody run up to you, give you a big bear hug. And it was because you said, that's the person I'm praying for. That's the person I'm going to share Jesus with. And who knows, maybe you never see them come to Jesus in your lifetime, or, but maybe they move away. You, you never know the seeds that you plant. There's going to be a great reunion in heaven one day. How awesome would that be? If it all started here by writing one name on an empty chair. I believe. Do you believe today that we can reach 4% of our city? Do you believe that God can multiply? Do you believe that, that God can do things beyond our abilities today? If each one reaches one, right? We got 1% right now. We'll be at 2%. Next year, if each one again, we say, hey, let's reach one. We'll be at 4%. God can do it. God can do it. Let's believe together today. Jesus, this is your church. God, I thank you. We don't have the responsibility of saving anyone. That's you. But God, we pray, build your church. Use us. Use us to reach the one. Use us to share your word. God, give us the words to say. Give us the heart for people. God, may we not close them out, but God, may we invite them into the empty chair, wherever we may be. Build your church today, God. Fill heaven today, God. Because your desire is that none should perish, but that all would have eternal life. So Lord, I thank you that even today, even now, you want to build your church. God, I know that if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, you want to show them a better way. God, thank you that you died on the cross. Thank you that you rose again. Thank you today that you are alive and well and that when we believe in you, you save us, you change us, you give us eternal life. You save us from an eternity in hell and we get eternity in heaven and we can be called children of the Most High God. If we confess our sins that you are faithful and just and you forgive us. So today, because we've experienced your love, may we share your love with others. Fill this empty chair. We thank you, Lord. Help us to reach the 4% of our city. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, if you didn't get a chance, this chair will be down here. Uh, 
put the names on it. I encourage you to do that. But have an incredible week. Uh, again, if uh, you're interested in the Rosebud Reservation trip, uh, go to the reception room. Again, it'll just be a, a quick meeting, maybe 10 minutes. I encourage you to do that. Uh, have a great week.